Hello, and a joyous welcome to This Woman's Work, a space where you can hear and read about some amazing women, the fantastic jobs they do, and the paths that have led them to where they are today. I'm here today with Steph. Hi, Steph. Hello. Could you tell the lovely listener what it is you do for a living? Um, so I am an equine vet, so I work um, treating horses, but I am also slightly unique because I work for uh, the University of Nottingham. So my role is split um, 50% teaching uh, and 50% uh, treating horses. Um, so you teach? Yes. Want to be vets? Yes, absolutely. So I um, yeah work for the University of Nottingham, but their, their model of veterinary teaching is that they have, rather than having an, a one specific hospital um, where the students just see kind of very high-level veterinary care, we have what we call clinical associate practices. So there's lots of different everyday vets um where we basically embed staff members so i'm one of those embedded staff members so although i work at a veterinary hospital i um work for the university there so my role in addition to to treating horses is making sure that the vet students learn as well oh my gosh right okay loads of questions about that (laughs) but this is where i have to stop and we first of all we track all the way back okay to little steph yeah little steph and we say what were you like as a child, school, college? Talk us through what what were, what were you like? Um, I'm going to obviously say always into animals. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> always into animals. I mean, the first story... So, uh, my family is... I mean, they don't mind animals, but they're not I was going to say, so no one's a vet. You know, no, there's no vets. kind of animal association in my history at all. But I have always loved animals from a very young age, to the point where I was very determined when I was fairly young to get a dog. And I used to write mum and dad letters uh, and sob stories and leave them, like, pinned to doors Aww. of why I should have a dog. Yeah. Anyway, it took, I think this started, mum said, when I was about nine years old. And then eventually, when I was 13, we did get a dog. And through that... I then started seeing what vets do. Um, and so I was going to say, it's one of those jobs, isn't it? One of those careers that often do go into schools, don't they? I mean, yeah. I can't... I'm pretty sure... I mean, my daughter definitely wanted to be a vet at one point. Most of her friends wanted to be a vet. I think it... I don't know if it's a more of a girl thing than a than a boy thing. It definitely is a more female heavy profession. Is um, it? So traditionally, and we're talking probably 40, 50 years ago now, it was very male dominated, but it, it's absolutely a switch. So our a standard year for us at the moment has about 160 pupils and probably 20 to 30 of those are boys, the rest are girls. How interesting. Yep. Um so it's yeah, very female dominant now. Gosh, do you know why? I I think there's a few reasons. One one reason is that we don't get paid as much as, say, a doctor or a dentist or uh, someone who would do maths and therefore go into business or accounting, that kind of thing. So boys seem to want to get paid more. Be driven more by money yeah. and financially. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, Therefore, you know, they're just not as interested in because we do as much work and possibly even more kind of qualifications to get to where we need to be. But there's, you know, not as much financial gain from that. That's not a quick college course, is it? No, no, it's a five year degree. Yeah. Um, So plus... You know, there's a lot of effort to to get on that course. They require you to do work experience when you're during school, um, right. and lots of other things. So you know they're very hard courses to get onto. Um, so at what point then? So obviously, so you went through school, 
enjoyed school? Loved school. Yeah. Yeah. Both my so parents were teachers. Very academic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But both my parents were teachers at um at the secondary school I was at. Uh, I've always been very was that a blessing keen on and school. a curse? It, it was good because everyone liked them. Okay. So oh, they were they, cool were, they were cool teachers. <gasps> my dad was a bit strict, but everybody cool. liked yeah. Mr and Mrs Pratt they were brilliant yeah, yeah. Great. um so that was fine um you know um and actually was fairly good for the street street cred rather than the other way around yeah yeah um but yeah have always been very academic and they've always pushed me and my sister was also she was she's very academic as well so um yeah and dad is a physics teacher so uh, and I've definitely always lent more towards the sciences, sciences yeah. in terms of what I've been good at. Um, so what does your mum teach then? Mum teaches German. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I haven't, I don't seem to have got that linguistic okay. brain at all, oh. English and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I did do it, but it wasn't very, definitely wasn't one of yeah, my strong yeah. points. But maths and science was, was where my skills were were definitely better. So. Okay, so co- and then went on to college. Do did you do science A levels? So and, yeah, did, and at this point you knew you wanted to be a vet. Yeah, I mean, I've probably I had an inkling. Mum would say I think from when I was about eight or nine that I said that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I think once I started secondary school at 11, that, you know, I was like, right, this is what I want to do. Particularly to start going into yeah. hardcore sciences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you have to start doing, like I said, the work experience. So I did did that a couple of times. And then, you know, I, actually, no, I really do like this. Start doing more and more of that. And yeah. it just, just went from there. And I'm fairly committed to something once I decide I want to do it. Um, you know, full full stream ahead, really. So, and I haven't really ever looked back. But if anyone can hear little kind of, we have two lovely, lovely. Hang on, are they? Say, are they boys? Uh, that's the boy. That Billy's that... a boy. Nala's a girl. Oh, so two, boy, two, we have staffy two and a staffy lovely cross. little doggies here, which I'm trying not to engage with because then I feel like it's all just going to go. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just. I feel like if I get really excited, you'll get really excited. <laughs> they will. They will definitely. <laughs> they like, love no people. laughing. No laughing. I'm not, I'm Blue, not darling, I'm not enough. Down, 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 down. <laughs> Go on, down, down. Then went off to uni. Did you go? Yeah. How far away did you go? So I'm from the lakes. Um, so and went to the University of Nottingham. I haven't haven't gone very far from there. That's all right. Um, so yeah, it was a it's big, really good big uni. Thing to though, it? it is. It is a good it. uni. Yeah, absolutely. So went went there. Um, had a brief little. I did have a gap year um, because uh, Josh, my husband, is a Australian. So we went out and spent a year in Australia together. I had my place at university, but I deferred it a year, and yeah. we went went to Australia. Spent and then spent a year with his family traveling. Right. Um, and then came back to go to Nottingham to, yeah, be, wow. be a vet. Fantastic. Okay. What was that like? Because I can imagine that course is not for the faint-hearted. No. It's, What's the dropout um, rate of that course? Um, I don't think it's as high as people will probably think it would be, mostly because they make the... Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's oh, just if you just stroke him. Oh, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, happy stroking. But yeah, it's definitely not as high as it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's definitely not as high as people would think. I think because it's so hard to get onto the course. Yeah. That 
actually it, that, that almost knocks out a few out. people. Yeah. There yeah, are yeah. definitely some people who uh, either don't make it through because academically they can't can't cope, or because actually by the time they get to the blood and guts bit, they they can't deal with yeah. that. And I, we did have a couple of people in my year who dropped out in the first few months because oh, actually this isn't what yeah, I yeah. thought it, it was going to be and I can't cope but probably I would say 90% of people do actually make it and pass okay. so I, I think it's a lot higher than you would you would think yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. I don't think... did uni finish uni yeah. then what so um, I very briefly so I had uh, the first thing I got was a, an internship at Oakham Veterinary Hospital, which is where I'm currently working. So when you say an internship, that was alongside your degree, was it? No, so that's after a degree. So you've so done your five finish, years. finish your five years, graduate, and yeah. then I got a position as a as an intern, um, just doing equine to horse work. Um, oh yeah, and sorry, we've even skipped past it. Did you know you, what point did you know you wanted to more specialise then with horses? So probably about halfway through. So probably in my third year, I decided that actually equine was was what I wanted to do there were a number of reasons for that um vets us graduate omnicompetent so we we should be able to treat any animal yes so um which uh, the course teaches you very well for but uh, the problem is is that there's when you come out of that degree you've got a few options you either um become a vet that specializes in a in a particular species so we've kind of there's three key routes so equine farm which would be your sheep your dogs uh, yeah. sheep sorry cows pigs that kind of thing or small animals which will be um dogs and cats yeah okay um and i really wanted to just kind of focus more on one species because i like knowing a lot about one thing rather than yeah, knowing yeah. a little Would bit of everything specialist in, yeah, yeah exactly so i i Anna, and this is a really let's be honest about it the, the area that we are rutland and leicestershire is very it's equi, very horsey very horsey, yes, very horsey. Up, the whole area is very horsey yeah so. yeah absolutely and um so i that was one is one of the options that that allows me to do that but equally i have i've ridden since i was quite young i've always been around horses and enjoyed horses yeah. um so and i like being outside and yeah. you know I, I'm definitely was never going to be a farm vet. That's a very different type of, of vetting because you're treating a herd rather than an animal, yes. which is it's a completely different mindset. And sometimes, but is that, that so? That but that in itself is a specialism. Is oh, it? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, it definitely is a you know a. a because they're quite mobile, I think, aren't they? So they're on the road a lot, I'm guessing, yeah. just going out to different... And, and horse vets do that as well. Oh, yes, so, there's, course, so there's yeah. two types of, of horse vets, really, when uh, it's a, when you boil it down. So you've got ambulatory horse vets or hospital-based horse vets. Yeah. So ambulatory, they're in a car, they're on the road, they'll go to you at your yard. Yeah. Hospital horse comes to you. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have done both. Um, so, But currently I'm, I'm based in a hospital hospital um so yeah but so that's why i ended up wanting to do horses so i got my internship at oakham yeah uh, and did that for a year um with the aim that hopefully i would be able to to get what we call a, a residency yeah okay. which is basically like um the way you become a, a consultant for example if if we were talking about doctors okay so yes someone yeah, who yeah. specializes in a particular brand of medicine or yeah. surgery yeah 
um, which is what I'm doing now. So I'm currently, I've got one year left, but my uh, I'm training to be an equine internal medicine specialist. Right. So I will literally just... So you're not even finished... No, learning. so I'm still going. I'm still learning. I've got some even, very big exams next year. Oh, your gosh. Doing the internship at Oakham, because it's one of these clinical associate practices, we have a lot of students. So right. as part of my job there, you know, I had always got kind of a student with me, that a, okay. a final year student that, you know, follows you around and tries and is learning from you. So that you kind of get exposure to lots of teaching by doing that. Yeah. Which kind of taught me that I actually really enjoy that aspect of of teaching yeah um which probably my mum loves to say it comes from from her and dad with them both being well, teachers yeah when I finished the internship which was a year a year long the uni offered me a position teaching um no. the ambulatory side of things but at, at a different hospital so I worked at, at Paul House Equine uh clinic which is um over in Litchfield Okay, gosh, how, I don't even, how far away is that? It, from where we used to live, it was about an hour, so okay. it was a decent was a, yeah. drive, but yeah. um, but was worth it for the for the job. So I did again this kind of on the job teaching. So I had students with me out on the road, and I would teach them, you know, kind of the basics of being and being an equine vet. And I did that for two years, wow. um, and then then got the residency and came back to Oakham at that point. And then you've been there? Been there, so done two years of that and another year year to go. And then I'll sit some big exams. Hopefully I'll pass. Um, and uh, then I'll be a, be an internal medicine specialist and I'll I'll just stay working for the university, at least for the for the time being. Um, as so, so my current role is a, an assistant professor. One of the other things that makes the job so interesting, because whereas... You know, if you're a small animal vet, most dogs and cats are pets yeah. and they just live at home. But actually, with um, horses, you get this massive range of what people do with them from them literally being, um, you know, a big lawnmower that literally live in a field, they just eat grass. People don't do anything else with them other than give them a cuddle and a pat every now yeah. and then. Yeah. To, you know, actually working horses, race horses. Um, course, you know, so yeah. there's, there's a massive range. We've got little tiny Shetland ponies right up to massive shires. So, you know, there's so much variation in the the type of horse, the breed of horse, you know, and therefore the owner that comes along with that horse. Um, it makes it really interesting. I was going to say... Um, are you, I mean, you know, I'd say you're a good people person, but are you a good, do you like people? Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, I used to say, and I now laugh at people who do say this because um, I do quite a lot of interviews for people getting into the vet school as yeah. part of my role. And, and I definitely said this when I was at their stage as well, that actually I was choosing to do veterinary because I don't like people, therefore yes. I don't want to do medicine because yeah. I don't, I'd rather not deal with people. Yeah. And, and it just makes me laugh because actually the majority of my job is dealing with clients. Yes, you yeah. Know, we do look at the horses and we treat the horses and we do diagnostics on the horses, but actually the... Uh, the majority of my time is spent explaining things to service. owners yeah. or yeah <laughs> trying to convince them that they should pay this money to do this treatment oh, no. to fix their horse or yeah. consoling them when they either can't afford it or we can't fix their horse yeah. so yeah it's um it, there's a lot of people involved and I, I wouldn't say I'm the best people person in the world but I've gotten a lot better yeah yeah 
So how much of that do you teach on the course then? Quite a lot actually. Nottingham's quite a well, almost forward like thinking scenario yeah. role playing. Yeah, type so stuff. we actually pay for actors to come in. Oh my god, I at various do that stages. For you. Yeah, I reckon I could be a really good disgruntled. Yeah, you get given like a scenario yeah, and you I have to come that. in and like they'll tell you whether like you have to be grumpy or whether you yeah. have to cry or yeah. yeah. So we get and then so they do that That'd multiple times during the course, um, and they even get. Uh, examined on it so I did I examined a practical exam at the end of last year and it was a, a case where they had to take a history from an actor and then ex- then we gave them the kind of what had happened and then they had to explain what had happened they to the owner with a dummy horse because I'd love that you know like almost like a pantomime <laughs> yeah. we had a big we had a big plastic horse we had a big plastic horse yeah yeah we had a big plastic horse we had two people as a pantomime yeah. <laughs> Three actors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we we try really hard and go wow. through all the kind of. Um, we have a whole session on breaking bad news, um, yeah. and and a whole session on how to deal with talking to owners about money. Uh, because one of the it's, massive problems we have in the UK is because the NHS um, is funded, and we we don't understand how much medical treatments cost. No, no. And, and we are much cheaper than kind of. Uh, and doctors would be if we knew how much they are, but people still think it's obviously a lot of money, and it, and it is. Yeah. Um, but so you've got to try and get people on side with, you know, you do have to spend X thousand, but, you know, at the end of that, hopefully your horse will be fixed. The worst part of it then is obviously, I guess, dealing... I mean, uh, dealing with owners, giving them bad yeah. news, but also, I'm guessing, obviously, how does that rate to actually sort of of quite tragic animal situations. I mean, God, I mean, even saying that, it's just breaking my heart even thinking yeah. about it. I mean, I mean, most, I think most people would think that actually the probably the worst part of our job is is putting animals to sleep, which yeah. obviously we have to have yeah, to do as part of our time. jobs. But yeah. but actually, you know, that's often something that you're. I wouldn't say happy to do, but you know, but it's, the you know it's the right thing yes. to do. And yeah, actually, yeah. I think that we're quite lucky that we can do that with animals, whereas we can't with humans. But actually, then, in those cases, putting those animals to sleep often is a kindness. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, and the thing I think I really struggle with most, and probably I would say is the worst part of my job, is when we have to put an animal down because those owners don't have the money to do something that we can do or they don't oh, want to do it. Yeah. So. So say I know I know we can fix this horse if we did X, Y, and Z, but X, Y, and Z is going to cost ten thousand pounds, and the owner's like, I can't afford that. Yeah. Well, I can't leave this horse to suffer. We're going to have to yeah. say we're going to have to stop, and that actually, that's really difficult. is when you fix something yeah and particularly with with what i do now so i i just do medicine which i love so i don't very very rarely pick up a scalpel blade anymore um it's a lot about treating those intensive care patients that often come into you really really sick yeah um and they can either go you know one of either way they either don't get better or amazingly you know you you can hopefully work out what's wrong with them and even if you don't do kind of treatments to to try and fix them and and that, that point where they go home yeah. and their owners are really grateful, they bring you thank you cards. Got the family that's just, that are really yeah. happy. It's yeah. yeah. What do you think it is? So like I guess your skill set that makes you good at this or 
That's a trick. Often women ter- yeah. are terrible at answering. They go, oh, well, I don't know. Yeah. Don't, you've got to be confident and answer this question. Okay, okay. Being confident and answering. I, I think one thing, you have to have a love for animals, 100%. Yeah. You yeah, that's going to go right at the top of the page. Yeah, that's got to be at the top. You have to, you have to be not necessarily good at academic stuff but you have to be interested in in science yeah. and how things work yeah um grades have come down from where they were so you definitely Ooh. don't have to have the kind of full a's a stars anymore there are places that take you Is with, that with a's and b's we now have google? well so yeah, just and, google stuff and also well. i think we're realizing that not necessarily a straight a star student has all the the qualities that it requires to be a good vet like the people communication and that kind of there are a lot of other aspects and facets to the people that make good vets than just being very clever so um so yeah i think i think but you do still have to have to want to so have you seen understand that shift that. in your time, or how do you think it more happened before you? Got I qualified? think it's happened even since I've graduated and been yeah. been teaching. Um, that you know we are getting more students through who not necessarily you know they have to work really hard to get the academic side on board, but once they get that, actually they make amazing vets yeah. because they're good with they're people, they care, yeah, yeah. they're, you know, the logistical thinking actually is often much better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, actually, so... because yeah, really intelligent people often are... I don't have a lot of common sense, do no, they? No, not at all. <laughs> just yeah. just meant to meant to yeah. that's really... But it often goes with the territory. They're so bright that yeah. they can't kind of... Yeah, and often people who do do that and then go, you know, they end up working in research or in things like that where they don't tend to have as much yeah. as I would say from my experience of you know hands on hands on yeah. with other people what ch- personal challenges do you have that I guess make this tough for you um I mean off the top of my head I'm thinking things like you know sounds weird to say but almost caring too much do you know what I mean like or do you I guess do you learn almost how to balance that more as you're yeah, going through it I think I I cope very well with detaching myself from it and I definitely have have colleagues that that struggle with that right um and you know I'm quite good at I'll do as much as I can when I'm at work but then and obviously there is someone who looks after those horses that are in the hospital all the time but I hand over to them at five o'clock whatever time we finish and then I'll come home and I'm pretty good at switching off and not worrying about it till the next morning but I definitely know I have got colleagues who will worry all night about how that horse is doing you know that we've got cameras we can watch the horses with and you know I, I mean I could go on the cameras now and have a look at what the horse in stable one is doing if I was concerned that kind of thing so but I'm I'm quite good at good at switching off um but yeah I definitely have colleagues that that really struggle with that particularly at the level I'm at so I'm five years graduated now so between I think the st- the data is between about three and five years graduated we have a huge amount of people leave the profession now oh. I, the multiple <clears throat> reasons for that I think um Number one is is working too much. So we do most people would do quite a lot of of out of hours. Um, so work uh, life balance is often a a challenge. Yeah. Um, we don't get paid like I've said as much as as other people. Uh, in 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 kind of correlating professions. Yeah. Um, and I think people people do struggle with that. Um, 
so I think it's a it's a combination of those things and then also the the difficulties in in coping with some of the stresses of of being a vet so putting animals down dealing with financial things with owners we, we do or we did the last time I checked have the highest suicide rate of any profession um oh my because gosh. of that so and there is you know mental health in our profession is a is a huge thing at the moment so it's also dealing with really poorly animals and yeah. I feel like you said having to put them down yeah and then the people yeah absolutely side of it yeah which can be yeah. sad or just yeah and then really your emotional guess, grief as yeah. well then about those cases working so on, all on top and of then, working long hours and, and yeah and potentially not having very much sleep um being quite lonely because you can't go and see your friends when you know if you're on call on a weekend and they're not and, and is this then because there's not enough vets in the in the UK, particularly. I don't know about the world, but there's because obviously, if let's just say you got paid what you did, but you didn't have to work so many hours. Yeah, absolutely, and that's definitely what's the small animal kind of branch of veterinary is going towards. Most people now would offer a four day working week with okay. very minimal out of hours if any. That they kind of like there Knowing are out of hours it... companies now that they kind of kind of outsource their agency exactly yeah Yeah. um so uh, they are tryings uh, and i think i think you're right i think less working hours for the same money or if they people keep working as they do paying more but that still doesn't necessarily improve people's mental health so i think it is it is very much about improving that and uh, i've been to a couple of, of conferences this year for kind of uh further learning and to present stuff and um one of them where I was at in September the the main focus of it was mental health that was kind of the key theme oh, of gosh, the whole conference at, at the you know our it's our British equine veterinary uh conference so the whole of the the UK yeah uh, that was our big conference so and, and mental health was the key thing there and were um, people quite candid absolutely I think people are very aware of it now um we're just not sure how to fix it yet I think okay. that's. I think. I think it's. It, it, people are are much more aware of it, and and equally much more aware of things like um, mums coming back from having kids and and that yes, kind of thing, and being yeah. being more accommodating because we are becoming a, a we are you know becoming a more female dominant profession. So things like that that historically people didn't worry about too much are starting to become become more of an issue so okay, so are most practices pretty good or hospitals are pretty good at flexi working not really to be because honest there's not, there's not enough there people. isn't there's not enough people and also how how do you do f- flexible working when you know because the, the main problem i have in terms of like I've said to you, I, I would should be free by six pm tonight, but I might not be because yeah. um, although my finish time is five pm, if I get an emergency coming at five to five, I could be there till nine pm tonight. Yeah. You know, working that up if if I if I need to be. But so if you've got to get home to the kids. Exactly. What do you do? Exactly. How do you how do you cope with that? So oh gosh, um, yeah. you know, and there are places where they definitely try and and deal with that, but there are uh, lots of people who can quite often get stuck in that situation, and and it's not uncommon for an ambulatory vet to to turn up at the hospital with their child in the seat next to them because obviously like what else are they going to do with them if they haven't got someone else to look after them so so i guess almost like mums are a dropout as well are you being mums that they might try and come back and then just can't and and then yeah struggle to have to leave yeah absolutely such a shame because 
They're um, this amazing workforce, aren't they, that are then yeah, dropping out? Yeah, absolutely. But flexible working and improving mental health, they are, they are things that people are definitely now aware of, but they're... Yeah, I don't think we've got the answers yet and we definitely haven't fixed the kind of crisis of people lose it, le- leaving the profession. So what's next? Um, you've kind of talked a little bit about, obviously, you've got some big exams and stuff yeah, coming up. big exams next year. What's, what is five years? What's your five-year plan, Steph? <sighs> I mean, I definitely want to have kids within the next few years, hopefully. And um, not leave the profession And not, definitely not leave the profession. We've already discussed that Josh is, if need be, going to be the stay-at-home dad and I'm yeah. going to go back to work. God, um, yeah. And that's because I love my job. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't love his job quite so much. Yeah. So you know that, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but from a from an academic and career perspective, I, I mean, I'll hopefully pass these exams and I'll become a specialist, um, and then kind of just develop myself and work. You know, get more experience, get better. Carry on teaching. Absolutely, carry on teaching. Yeah. And can from that you can then go on to be rather than an actual professor, rather than yeah. associate professor. Yeah. So there's different levels so that you can go up. But yeah, working up to the top would be a be a professor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that definitely is is one route. I mean, the other the other thing that we've discussed is obviously Josh is Australian. Do we go back to Australia yeah. and go and work out there? Oh, so you get a visa every day of the week. Well yeah, because obviously that. we're we're married so I can I can, I would be able to go across. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah, they of, want vets. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would without Josh be able to get over there sponsored. Yeah, so, without Josh. Yeah, don't I'm need going him. anyway, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My two final questions then and I can let you your doggies get back to, back to life. Um what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, oh, uh, I think stress less. Get, do, do better at German. Y- yeah, yeah, <laughs> mum would say that. I mean, I've forgotten almost all my German well, should be Put more effort into outraged. languages. Yeah, I mean, actually, I probably should, because it would be very good to have a... I, I do well, wish I had be, a second language. You could be language. a global jet-setting... Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I think st- stress less and actually goes along the lines of the, the surgery you speak of. I, I am definitely a perfectionist and I yeah. stressed a lot about having very high grades and doing being the best and never failing when I was younger and in school and, and even going through uni, actually. Um, so, but actually... You know that isn't everything, and there's a lot more to life than that. Um, And I think you can get so caught up in the pressure, and it's always it's always been the pressure I've put on myself. My parents were never pushy or anything like that, but I I lumped a lot of pressure on myself. Then the final question then is: What life advice would you give anyone now, as you now, knowing everything that you know now? Um, hmm. I think. If you know you want to do something, stick at it and you will get there. And, I, I mean, I i have always wanted to do what I am doing now and I'm, yeah. now, I'm now there, very nearly at the point where I've done... Once I've done these exams, I'll be where I wanted to be since I was decided when I was about 19 that this is what I wanted to do. must be incredibly you know, rare. Yeah. Like from you eight to that, most yeah. people are not doing the thing. No, no. That they wanted to do when they were exactly. eight, nine, ten. Yeah, so, and I think 
you will get there if that's what you really want to do. And, you know, life throw, always throws curveballs in the way in different bits and pieces. Um, but I think if you want to do something, you've just got to stick at it. And I, and I remember on our on my course and, and even with the, the kind of the year group classes that are coming through now, there's always a couple of older people. I mean, we had someone on my course that was 45. She'd been a veterinary nurse for X number of years, can't remember how long. Um, but she, no, I, I do, I want to be, I've always wanted to be a vet. She just didn't get the grade, so she did and veterinary nursing at Centred. Life got in the way, she had yeah. kids. She was like, no, I'm going to go back. And she literally wow. went back to university at 45 and is now now a vet and loves it so you know I think I think if obviously if veterinary but if something else is what you want to do I think you you know just you will get there you will get there but you just need to to keep going yeah because it's it's but don't put too much pressure on yourself while you're doing it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. thank you very much you're very welcome If you would like to hear more about this chat, see some pics and read about how to get started in this industry and or this role, then please go to our website, www.thiswomanswork.org. The link is on this podcast page and across our socials. Sincere thanks.